On today's episode, we continue through Grimm's fairy tales with a story titled Nasty Flax Spinning. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast where we dig into the original versions of the fairy tales and folk tales that set the stage for all the movies, TV shows, books, all of the stories that we know and love today. These were the stories that were told by generations of people to teach lessons of morality and different life lessons, and they were gradually adapted into the stories and fairy tales that we know and love today. But when you read back how crazy the originals are, it makes it clear that olden times were not the nice, noble, romantic place that stories today would lead you to believe. These old folk tales make it very clear that stories from olden times were actually super dark, super violent, completely nonsensical, and just way more fun, to be perfectly honest. So that's why we're here. We are here to get into these old folk tales so that we can appreciate the grisly origins of the polished stories that we know and love today. Today's story is a bit of a deep cut, as far as these old stories go. It's another of Grimm's fairy tales. The 14th in the collection, we're just working our way through front to back Grimm's fairy tales, and this is a story titled Nasty Flax Spinning. Now, I looked up what flax spinning is. It's just making linen. So linen clothing, linen fabric, it actually comes from flax. Like, you know, flax seeds? It actually comes from a grass or, or like a straw type of plant. And then they spin it into linen. And that's how we get linen clothes. Anyway, fun fact. There you go. We begin. In olden times, there lived a king who loved flax spinning more than anything else. And his daughters had to spin the entire day. If he didn't hear the wheels humming, he became angry. So not only does he love flax spinning, but he hates when flax is not being spun. One time he had to take a trip, and before he said his farewell, he gave a large casket of flax to the queen and said, All this must be spun by the time I return. When I hear casket, I think coffin. But I suppose casket could mean just a box, a large box. We continue, The princesses became distressed and wept. If we are to spin all of that flax... We'll have to sit the entire day, and we won't be able to get up at all. But the queen replied, Console yourselves. I'll certainly help you. Now, there were three especially ugly spinsters in the realm. Alright, here we go. The first had such a huge lower lip that it hung beneath her chin. The second had an index finger on her right hand that was so thick and wide that one could make three other fingers out of it. The third had a thick and wide flat foot that was as large as a kitchen board. I can see how the lip thing would make you not particularly good looking, but if you got a jacked up hand or a jacked up foot, it doesn't necessarily mean you're ugly. If you've got a jacked up lip, you could be pretty hot. Anyway, the queen summoned the three spinsters to the castle, and on the day that the king was supposed to return home, she sat them down next to one another in her room, gave each of them a spinning wheel, and ordered them to spin. Moreover, she told each of them what to answer when the king questioned them. 
As soon as the king arrived, he heard the humming of the wheels from a distance and was so glad that he intended to praise his daughters. However, upon entering the room and seeing the horrible spinsters sitting there, he was at first startled. Then he stepped toward them and asked the first woman how she got the hideously large lower lip. From licking, from licking! Then he asked the second where she got her thick finger from. From turning the thread, from turning the thread and twining it. I don't know why they're making them answer all manic like this. To be honest, it's kind of a red flag. If they can't talk like the princesses, then you're just going to blow your cover. And they obviously don't look anything like the princesses. As she said this, she let the thread run around her finger a couple of times. Finally, he asked the third one where she got her flat foot from. From stamping, from stamping. When the king heard all this, he commanded the queen and the princesses never ever to touch a spinning wheel again, and this is how they rid themselves of their agony. The end. So this one is short and sweet, and shockingly has no murder. This might be the first story that has zero nonsensical murder involved. Nobody dies. Although it's pretty ruthless towards these three disabled people, to be honest. It doesn't, doesn't really do any favors there. It's kind of insensitive in that regard. But still, I don't see how this is a solution. What, did they just switch back to the princesses? The king would have noticed that the hand and foot and lip healed immediately and went back to normal. Also, he would have noticed that they looked entirely different to his daughters. They're called spinsters. Spinsters implies old, right? These are princesses. You just swap them out for three disabled older women? Anyway, let's get into the autopsy. Let's run this back, break it down. Very short and sweet. So we've got this king who's obsessed with making linen clothing, I suppose. He doesn't want to be a king. He just wants to have a clothing factory, really. Maybe he's king of a very small kingdom, and all they have is flax. And so it's his one export and he has no laborers. This just sounds like a farm. This sounds like a farm. It sounds like it's a guy who's on a farm, and he wants his daughters and wife to think they're, you know, living large or super important, so he calls them princesses and, and queen and says we're in a kingdom. And he somehow managed to fool them all and keep them all on the farm so they don't realize they're not in a kingdom. If you're a real king, you can get people to spin some flax for you, I feel like. You don't need to make a sweatshop with your three princesses. Seems unnecessary. Or this is just a really shitty kingdom that we're dealing with here. In any event, this king does not want to be a king. He just wants to make sweet, sweet linen clothing. And apparently when linen clothing is not being actively produced, he becomes enraged. So they just need to spin flax the entire day. But if that's the case... Why are they so upset when he left and made them continue to do it? They, it already says that they have to spin the entire day on a normal basis. This is, just seems like a job. It just seems like this is their job to spin flax all day. And I get it. They heard, oh, king slash father is leaving. Maybe we'll get a break. Oh, no, he just had a casket of flax. So we're going to have to keep doing this. So that, that yeah, that's disappointing when you thought you had a vacation coming up because your asshole sweatshop owner king linen salesman decides to give you a bunch of work to do when you thought he was going to be gone you were going to have a break yeah that's that's pretty upsetting i get that fair enough but it's not any different than what they do normally i guess 
So why is it weird? In any event, he leaves to go on a trip. Unspecified what kind of trip this is. Maybe he's trying to... I guess he's got probably so much linen. He's got to find some place to sell this shit. He's probably just packing up a whole bunch of linen, trying to sell it to a neighboring kingdom. Get some return off this. Definitely oversaturating the market in linen in his own kingdom. Just the linen kingdom, where everyone wears linen all year long. So he leaves, gives the casket full of flax to the queen, says, hey, all of this needs to be spun by the time I return. Princesses, distressed, they weep. They say, we can't do that, even though it's what we do all the time. We'll have to sit the entire day, and we won't be able to get up at all. Back in olden times, being able to sit for work probably is pretty nice. I feel like olden times, you're out in the fields. You know, you're out in the mud. You're planting stuff. You're pulling stuff out of the ground. You're watering the plants. It's obvious I've never lived on a farm. In any event, I, I, fair enough. I would not be happy if I had to spin flax all day, every day, and then dad leaves and he's still got to fucking spin flax all day. I'd be pissed off too, so I don't blame him. I'd be distressed and weep as well. But the queen says, I got a plan. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So she goes and finds these three, quote-unquote, especially ugly spinsters in the realm. So again, no real indication of the size of this kingdom. I still doubt it's very big. Could just be these three old ladies who live in a cabin on the edge of their property, on the edge of their linen farm, their flax farm. So the queen says, hey, I'll go get them, and we'll pull a little switcheroo here. So there's the lady with the lip, the lady with the super thick finger, that's as big as three fingers, and then there's the third lady with the thick, wide, flat foot. And so the queen summons all of them to the castle, which was probably a bit difficult for the one with the jacked up foot. But they got there, and on the day that the king was supposed to return home, she sat them down next to one another in her room, gave them each a spinning wheel, and ordered them to spin. Does the king not know about the three spinsters with very specific physical maladies? Even if it's a relatively large kingdom, clearly these three spinsters are known amongst the kingdom if the queen knows about them. Does king not know about them? Apparently not, because the king gets back and does not question for an instant why these three women, who presumably look nothing like his daughters, it would be a stunning coincidence if they did, are in place of his daughters. My first reaction, if I walked into a room and three women who looked completely different than the three women I was expecting to be in that room are there, I would just say, who are you? I wouldn't go towards the first one and ask how she got her hideously large lower lip. I would say, why are you here instead of my daughters? You are clearly different people. But no, I guess this king, maybe he has terrible eyesight? But he can see their physical ailments, so he, couldn't have, he can't have that bad vision. But yeah, there's no way this would be convincing. The one with the lower lip, okay, that's a facial thing. Maybe you could believe if they looked somewhat similar that that happened as a result of all this. But the woman with the hand and the woman with the foot, that has nothing to do with your face. The face should be identical to the princesses, otherwise you don't stand a chance of convincing this king that they're switched places. So he asked the first lady how she got the large lip, 
and she cries, from licking, from licking. And it seems a little manic. I don't know why that was their strategy here, is to go manic. Maybe it would sort of shock him into just like accepting it. Because normally that would be a red flag if someone's acting all crazy and isn't acting like your daughter, the woman you know. I don't know what's going on. It doesn't seem like the best strategy. But he asked the second one where she got her thick finger from, and she says it's from turning the thread and twining it. And then the third one, he says, where you, where'd you get that foot from? And at that point, he should be able to know. She says, from stamping, from stamping, which I'm, I'm assuming is, you know, you stamp the, the pedal to, to make the thread go through the mechanism. And yeah, and then the king hears all of this, commands the queen and the princesses never ever to touch a spinning wheel again, presumably cratering this entire kingdom's economy, because that's all they were doing before. And then that's the end. I don't know how they switched back. There's no way they could have pulled that off. Have some sort of covert escape mission to get them out of there without the king noticing. Then everything's back to normal. Like, oh, hey, what happened to your giant finger? It's like, oh, it got better. Or the giant foot. Yeah, it it was swollen. It just, just needed to be off it for a minute. Because if they healed up that quickly, presumably the king would have just been like, oh, okay, so weird shit happens. If you just spin flax constantly, but all you need to do is just take a little break every now and then, and we can keep flax spinning going. Now, you would have had to do some sort of like prosthetic work or some type of makeup work with the lip to sort of like ease it back down. That's how they would have had to have done it. They would have done the swap and then put some clay around the the woman's finger and then less and less clay every day until it's back to normal. Similar thing with the foot. Gotta gotta ease that back. And then the queen and the princesses were happy again. And presumably the king fell into a horrible depression because the one thing he loved more than anything else was not happening anymore. At least he could do it. Just handle it yourself. Or again, if this is really a kingdom, it should not be difficult to get hundreds of people to be spinning flax all the time. I don't think this is a real kingdom, king. I think you're full of shit. And I think you live on a flax farm. So what's the lesson here? I think the intended lesson is don't force people to do things against their will and overwork them. I think that's a great lesson. Don't overwork people and push them to the point where they need to perform some type of switcheroo operation to make you think they've been horribly disfigured. And only then will you give them a break. That's a good lesson. Do not overwork people. You know what? I think the king learned that lesson. I don't think he was actually fooled. Because the plan makes no sense. It's too audacious. It's too ridiculous. It's too nonsensical. He probably got in there, saw these three spinsters. Maybe he knew about the spinsters beforehand and was like, oh, they brought the spinsters in here. And then after he did his little question and answer thing, he realized if they are resorting to this ridiculous of a scheme to try and get out of spinning flax... Maybe I should just have them not spin flax anymore. They clearly hate spinning flax. If they're going to pull three disabled women, bring them in here and try and pass them off as themselves, this is a ridiculous plan. My daughters and my wife have gone insane as a result of my overzealous flax spinning. I need to take the flax business back a notch. I think that's what actually happened. That's the only reasonable conclusion to what happened, because it doesn't make sense otherwise that he actually believed this. So I think he saw all this, just got real sad and real depressed, was like, what am I doing? I've become a monster because of my obsession with linen. 
I need to stop this madness. And then he calmed it down with the linen and the flax spinning. I think that's what actually happened here. Anyway, I think a deeper lesson then could be be more sensitive to your loved ones and to your family and friends and how your actions are affecting them. And read between the lines as well. I'm sure there were hints before this switcheroo scheme that maybe his wife and daughters weren't super into spinning flax all day, every day. You don't start with switcheroo scheme where you bring a bunch of disabled people into the house. That's not option A of telling dad we don't want to spin flax anymore. So I think the deeper lesson here is be aware, be sensitive of the people around you and reading between the lines on what may or may not be making them uncomfortable, be pushing them to do what they don't want to do, and take that into account. Don't push people too hard, and as you are interacting with people, especially coworkers or family and friends, make sure you're not overstepping your boundaries. And then you won't need to resort to ridiculous switcheroo shenanigans to get your point across. So yeah, there we go. That is the deeper lesson. Now let's adapt it. So this could be, let's do this one modern day, actually. This is going to be modern day, and it's going to be an actual, like, linen family manufacturing dynasty. It's like powerhouse fashion designer who specializes in linen, and he brings his family into it against their will. It could be a movie, could be a limited series. I don't think you can get a ton out of this. You could, maybe you could, you could spin it off. Eh? Spin it. Spin it off, like flag spinning. All right, I, I apologize for that. You could spin it off into, into a further, longer series if you really wanted to. I don't know how much mileage you could get out of it, but I'm going to say either movie or limited series. Three, four, five episode stops. And the king who loves flag spinning is going to be played by Larry David. I don't know why I love that. I just love Larry David as like a fashion icon super into linen. I also just really want a 20-minute scene up top of just Larry David talking about how great linen is and everything he loves about linen. It's breathable, it's comfortable, it's lightweight. Who doesn't like a set of linen pants? Who doesn't like a linen suit? You're going on a boat? Get a linen suit. Going to the beach? Linen suit. You're hanging out at home? Linen suit. What kind, What other kind of suit can you just relax in? No suit other than linen suit. I feel like Larry David could riff on this for days. The benefits of linen. So yeah, Larry David is the fashion icon, fashion designer, kingpin of the linen industry. And his wife, who will be played by Catherine O'Hara, love Catherine O'Hara. She would also be phenomenal. To be honest, it could be somewhat similar to her character in Schitt's Creek. Because this character is a literal queen, like a fashionista type character, would be perfect. She'd kill it. And Larry David, he has three daughters, and he just makes them. He, they didn't really get a choice. They had to become part of his linen empire. And so he brought them in, kind of against their will, and they make all of the clothes. He's got his own sort of little linen sweatshop. They help him design and make all of the clothes, even though they don't really like linen that much. Don't really want to have anything to do with fashion, but he forces them. And these three daughters will be played by, we go SNL people. So we'll have Kate McKinnon, we'll have Melissa Villasenor, 
She's hilarious and will have Egod Woden. She's also hilarious. So those are the three daughters, and they're sick of making linen clothes. They don't really want to be part of the linen empire anymore, so they're sort of dropping hints to Larry David. But he's so blinded by just his love for the industry as a workaholic. He just loves linen so damn much. You can't hear any of their little hints that they're giving that they don't want to be part of the family business anymore. And so there's a big show coming up, or there's some big linen event. The Linen Festival of Italy is coming up. They have to get a bunch of linen done. A bunch of new designs have to get done and have to get finished. Larry David has to go meet with some other designer that they're doing a partnership with or something. And he goes on some yacht with another designer and leaves Catherine O'Hara and three daughters to, to finish all of the actual designs and the pieces for the fashion show for the Linen Festival, to finish that all on their own. And so they're sick of it. They all decide, we're done with this. We don't want to do linens anymore. We're out. What are we going to do? And that's where Catherine O'Hara gets her idea. We'll bring in your three kooky aunts who Larry has never met. Maybe they're sort of like extended relatives. Mm, no, here's what it is. So Catherine O'Hara actually came from a farm town where she made flax and made linen. And that's how she ultimately met Larry David. But she still knows a lot of people from the farm town. She's still sort of at heart. You know, she's she's come a long way and now she's all fancy and everything. But at heart, she's still a farm town girl. And she knows a lot of people from the farm town. And she still has a lot of friends there. And a few of those friends are people who were involved in some farming equipment industrial accidents. And these are the three spinsters. They're not actually spinsters here. They're just three women from the farm town who had accidents happen to them. So they will be played by Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph. Amy Poehler will be the one with the lip. Kristen Wiig will be the one with the hand. And Maya Rudolph will be the one with the big ol' foot. And so Larry David gets back from his week on the yacht with some super hoity-toity fashion designer. And who would play the fashion designer on the yacht? You know who would be great? Chris Red, also from SNL. It's a very SNL-heavy cast, but you know what? A lot of these seem like sort of character-actor type of roles. Chris Red is going to be like a very avant-garde younger fashion designer who thinks linen is the fabric of the past and he's all about like nylon and neon and really new modern materials. He's just really aggressive and really kind of, he's super into space. So yes, Chris Red will be the super modern fashion designer. Very aggressive, very avant-garde, very experimental. And Larry David comes in with all of his linen, trying to get a collaboration going. Going to be some fantastic scenes on the yacht with Larry David and Chris Red. And ultimately, they do have a collaboration. This partnership is reached. Larry David comes back to give the good news. He hears the flax wheels spinning, gets excited, goes in, and sees Amy Poehler and Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph all at their wheels and is immediately extremely confused. And so he just sort of suspiciously, I can picture him sort of sizing them up. How'd you get that large lip? She says, from licking, from licking. And basically, they just go at him and are just really aggressive and confrontational and just wear him down. 
And he calls them out. He says, I know you're not my daughters. Where are my daughters? Why, why are you here? And they just say, look, they don't want to be here anymore. We know this is a ridiculous plan. They didn't know how to get through to you otherwise. So you know what? Stop making your family your own personal sweatshop. Larry David, you insane linen designer. Because when you force your family to be overworked, that's when accidents happen, like what happened to us in our farms. And then Larry David sees the error in his ways. He says, oh my god, I'm so sorry. How could I have been so short-sighted not to think what my daughters actually want to do with their lives, but to assume they just wanted to be part of the family business? Thank you so much, you ladies with your problems with your hands and feet and lips. You have shown me the error of my ways. And he says, you know what? You all actually have the distinct sort of aesthetic that I'm looking for with my fashion show next week. And then Amy Poehler and Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph become famous fashion models in Italy because of how distinct their their appearances are. Models are always doing the pouty lip. What's poutier than a giant lip that hangs below the chin? That's the poutiest lip you've ever seen. And the big finger, that big finger, she's waving that big finger all around. That's a finger of emphasis. That's a power finger, is what that is. Boom. Famous model. Power finger. And that foot, that foot gives her the best model walk you ever seen. She is strutting down that catwalk. She's doing tricks with it. She's spinning on it. Here she's tap dancing. Power foot. Famous model. So they all become the most famous models in the world. And everyone lives happily ever after. That is a fairy tale for the modern age. And that's how we adapt it. Contact every one of those people that I just mentioned. Tweet at them. Let them know we're making this happen. It's a hit. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've got your own adaptation ideas, which I know you do, send them to me on Twitter or Instagram. You can go to shadowbearstorysessions.com. You can donate. You can contact me. Give me some feedback or suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. That will do it for this week's episode. Next week's episode, a story that we all know, titled Hansel and Gretel. That's right, one of the big hitters. We're getting into it. So come on back next week for that. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.